Cherry Developer News, episode number 88 for Monday, uh, June, 20, uh, June 25th. Uh, hold on. I have three mice. Three blind mice. I don't know which one to hit. <laughs> Monday, June 16th, 2014. I'm Ken Rimple. I'm Joel Confino. And we're here to talk all things tech that happen to interest us at the moment. Yes, the Dev News. So if you want to go see our show notes, if you want to you know, pick up anything and research it yourself, uh, go to chariotsolutions.com slash devnews, and you can subscribe from there on uh, iTunes or RSS. So let's talk uh, about MongoDB partnering up with Cloudera. Have you heard about this? I have not. This sounds interesting. Yeah, so it looks like that they're, they've got some funds uh, that Intel gave them. Um, you know, this is from Forbes. Uh, by Susan Kala. And uh, they recently announced a partnership, I'm quoting her, to pool resources after years of informal collaboration. They're stepping up their big data efforts to accelerate the enterprise industry's shift into the cloud. And here she says, they're preparing to take on the database behemoth Oracle. Uh-oh. Now, mm. fighting Oracle, do they have a really big schooner that they can like take... <laughs> Because I know Larry's all about the ships, right? He's not going to get out quietly. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, I could just wait for that to happen. Um, yeah. So anyway, so they're, they're going to try to develop, uh, looks like, uh, big data application software. Um, you know, it looks like they're getting to the data science realm because uh, uh, developing software to help customers pinpoint target markets. That's all the kind of stuff. Develop predictive models, business processes anyway. So, I mean, it seems like this is a very cloudy, not cloudy, that's pretty funny. This is a very um, crowded industry at the moment, don't you think? Yeah, I think a lot of people are jumping in for sure and trying to, I think it even said in this article, Oracle had had some sort of its own um, you know, entry into this and now they decided to invest in Cloudera to get just a little bit more legitimacy. So I think all the big players will kind of coalesce around some sort of big data solution that they need to now have. Right. I mean, we got, you know, EMC spun off Pivotal, you know, and that's a big thing in the players. Uh, IBM has their own research area. There's a bunch of other companies that are doing it. We've got the the vendors in the individual big data services like Hadoop. We've got, you know, um, what's that one company out there in the West Coast that does Hadoop almost exclusively? Mm, you know, the, the, the yeah, that, those guys. You know, those guys, yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm really pathetic today. But anyway, you got a bunch of those out there right now, and Cloudera is the other one. Um, and it'll come to me when we go to the next story, so I'll get to that. But anyway, something to watch. Um, you know, yet another uh, big movement in the industry uh, to gin up and get more work in big data. All right. Um, next, Internet Explorer. Remember uh, last time we talked, I was uh, kind of doing a show review of the uh, – uh, JSConf 2014, and Microsoft was there, and they're talking about their developer channel and stuff. Well, I have the IE blog link here. Uh, it's on the 16th of June, announcing Internet Explorer developer channel ASPX. So it's a whole page. It goes through and talks about what's in the developer channel, kind of like I guess Chrome has a developer channel mm-hmm. where you can download like the beta version of Chrome mm-hmm. and play with all the new features before they come out. Um, they have a lot of things they're doing on the on the developer tools. Now, I am not. I don't have a single Windows instance right now. Yeah, no, I... <laughs> and I'm not sad about that. No, I don't either, and I tried over the weekend to install... <laughs> they were giving away a game for free, okay? And it okay. was only for Windows, and yeah. I didn't have Windows, and I was like, well, I want this game for free. And I tried to install Boot Camp on two of my Macs. Good luck. And it didn't work on either of them, which I was shocked, because Boot Camp has worked well in the past. I hear there's problems with it with Mavericks. Like, I, I've heard somewhere that it, it like, it has issues. It doesn't work at all. Like, yeah. when you install, it boots to a blank screen. It's just black screen, nothing. 
And uh, that's, that's not it. good. No, and then I mean, you can. It doesn't like brick your machine or anything. But anyway, <laughs> so I've uh, yeah. But this does look very cool. Yeah, if you're if you're dealing with IE, if you're dealing with Windows, isn't it? Aren't the Windows eight widgets and stuff? Aren't they all HTML five? I think they are. All the little like the panels, the tile view and stuff. I think they might have like that kind of you know like Apple did this whole right. um, Apple script based widget stuff that you can hit F twelve and no one. That I know uses the widgets. I, I saw a screenshot of Windows 8 once. Mm, yeah, right. So, but so, the, the developer tools here, though, they look really block, good, they, though, don't they? They do look good, actually. I mean, obviously, Chrome has awesome developer oh, they, tools. Yeah, they do. And, and Firebug is the whole, you know, was a long uh, history of being a good, uh, you know, tools for, for Firefox. But uh, looks it's like just Microsoft we're such is a self selecting. Developers are such a self selecting group, right? We're just, yeah. okay. Oh, oh you, wait, you guys do stuff on Macs. Fantastic. I want to work here. Okay. So we're all working together. We all have Macs. None of us want to move and say, I'd like that, you know, oh, give me that ThinkPad. No, it's not going to happen. Well, some people are, but what are they going to put on it? Linux. Right. Why? Because it's a superior operating system to us. Well, once you don't have to install a virus scanner, any platform that makes you install a virus scanner becomes immediately very hard to use. And we apologize to everyone who has to or likes to run Internet Explorer and Windows. We're just, we feel like we're on the outside looking in here. But it does look very cool if you're like a game developer, you do an Xbox games, there's stuff on there to play with the GamePad API. Really neat stuff. So that's at blogs.msdn.com. Uh, we'll post a link to the show note, kind of show notes, uh, kind of announcing the channel and how to do it if you are an Internet Explorer type person. Uh, next on our list, uh, jacksenter.com. And I want to talk about this a little bit, uh, Joel. In fact, I have um, the iBook. Uh, about the language we're about to talk about. I just downloaded the free iBook off of... Now, of course, here's the other world, right? Yep. Everyone who's Windows-based is suddenly going... <laughs> because they don't want to hear this. Um, so, sorry, you guys tune out now and come back about three minutes. But um, Swift. Yeah. Do you looks, feel Swift? Yeah, I read the iBook. I you did read the cool. iBook. You're better I than I am. I did. I read it like the day they announced it. You demand. And it is... A lot like Java, thank and, you, and JavaScript. Yep, I understand both of those languages. Yep, me too. I found it to be very accessible and much more exciting to me than iOS uh, than uh, Objective C. Objective C. I just have I a just, visceral reaction no, to I it. Just never, you know. I took the training class. I just never quite got into it. It always was awful. And brackety brackety string to oh bracket bracket gosh. bracket dot. Well, all, <laughs> all the advantages of a compiled language, is, yeah. and you know, and oh my god, it's like <laughs> it's dynamic, so you're not going to get runtime errors, but right. you still have to compile it. Like, now we have people here, honestly, you know, we have people here that do iOS development. They don't um, seem to mind they, it. They don't seem to mind that they went through. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like that. Um, Oh, what is that? Stockholm syndrome. You know, yeah. you go to Apple, you get, this is how you're going to program and everything starts with uh, NS or next step and, but and you guess, do it. But I guess the preface is Swift is Apple's new programming language that you can use for iOS development. And you know what? What do we spend most of our time when we're trying to learn? And this is me as an outsider. Again, looking in, I'm not an iOS developer. What am I anyway? I think I'm a jack of all trades. Yeah, that's right, master of none. But I know that, like, if I look at iOS development, I know for a fact that it's there's a lot of syntax to wade through. There's a lot of really low level weird things to wade through, and you still program in C for a lot of stuff. I know it's crazy. Yeah, Th this is a good language. This is a huge situation for Apple because they're going to make it so that enterprise developers and and there are lots of people that want to take iPads, you know, with them as you know dashboards or as apps that are a window into their business stuff. It would make it a lot faster, I think. 
And the cool thing is that this gets com- write the code. It gets yeah. compiled, and so you can intermix this with C, as what I right. from what I understand, when you need to, because when you're on the iOS platform, you're going to at some point. What I'm wondering is what I haven't seen because I haven't actually downloaded the newest version of Xcode or whatever. Right, it is there's you like a need. beta or something. Yeah, yeah. Is how does it look when you're interacting with the existing uh, iOS APIs? So. What turned one of the things that kind of turned me off from the iOS APIs were while is they the API because they all start with NS. No. Yeah. So while it allows you to do really cool stuff, the actual syntax was pretty horrific to right. do almost anything. Yeah. And um, I didn't know if Swift allows you to essentially have you know Swift wrapped versions of these other APIs so that they actually look better. I kind of doubt it. I kind well, of, but I don't know. I'd be I surprised. They did say that the language will change, will change. By the time they get it out live, because they're just this is their first cut of it, and they do not want you to expect that this is the way it's going to end up. That's oh, number is that one. Right? Okay. Yeah, they, they've mentioned that. Um, and you know, don't I would not count out the fact that they they've they've been listening because I do think that adoption of enterprise development. It we've seen people trying to do iOS development for their enterprise apps, and I, I know that for example they're looking around and trying to find iOS developers, and it's hard to find them. And one of the reasons probably is the language. And this is very approachable. I mean, if you've done JavaScript, you could learn Swift. Yeah, you Swift. could pick this up, yeah. And if you've done Java, you could learn Swift. It kind of looks like a mashup of the two, really. So not to say that it's not doable. In fact, we have developers, as I'm saying, that are doing – we've been doing iOS for a couple of years now, at least, maybe four, uh, with different projects at Chariot. But um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It may be one – Something that will make it easier for more people to get on the, onto oh, yeah. the, the platform. I mean, our, I guess our our spies at WWDC <laughs> were saying, cannot talk about it all. <laughs> we're saying that it was uh, basically, you know, they really Apple was really focused on developers and yeah. improving developers' lives, and you know, Swift was a big thing. I read that they've been working on Swift for years. I believe it, and they kind of got dinged for that. It was kind of interesting. Uh, Rod Johnson, oh, bro, uh, he threw out like something like, you know, hey, this. I think it was Rod Johnson, but I shouldn't quote him if I'm not sure. Right, right. But why not? So, <laughs> so uh, I just knew he would have a comment with the, on Twitter, like basically bashing it because Apple, because it was an open. You know, Apple just did this. Yes, um, you it's know, not in, open source in their, in their laboratory. Yeah. It's and, not open source. No, not at all. It's, it's not now anyway. But they're, you know, that's just kind of the, how, how they that. roll. Right. And, you know, languages in general, though, honestly, I think kind of benefit from uh, benevolent dictators. Yeah, I know? agree. So um, you really kind of have to have somebody calling the shots and make it all cohesive. So I, I'm, I think this will be great. I'm interested in when I can start, you know, building a simple iOS app with Swift and see if it, you know, is less painful. Yeah, it looks like they even include things like the reference counting stuff where you can pick up when things are being initialized and set them up and deinitialize them on the way out and stuff. It's And the the manual looks really good. I'm just flipping through it right now as we're talking. There's so many things that they get into that, yeah, I'm going to have to play with this too. This is something we should definitely pay attention to. All right. Well, we'll, we'll discuss that more later. Again, for anyone who's uh, a fan of Objective-C, we're sorry. Uh, <laughs> but these are our personal opinions, not the opinions of Chariot Solutions, dot, 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 dot. <laughs> The lawyers and, made us say that. That's right. Uh, JackCenter.com is the website for that. Lucy Carey. Uh, and so she brings up this stuff. She, uh, uh, you know, points out the fact that uh, JVM developers could go to the iOS side and look. Sure. Certainly. Uh, anyway, it led us down that road. And then I went and found another article on ZDNet uh, from oh, June 9th, closer to when the announcement happened, mostly for the comments uh, if you want to see some fun comments from some uh, rather frustrated or happy people, 
<laughs> this one. Well, these are pretty good. Are Al, here's, I'll give you a, uh, Jack Bond says, are all Apple fans completely brain dead? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't read the first sentence he has. It took me about an hour to learn Objective-C. The language was less of an impediment than the horrible dev environment. Parentheses. Xcode is a joke. Parentheses. And lack of decent controls. And then he uses the word filth multiple times. That's just not good. This is, this is your <laughs> typical, if you want entertainment from a post, go here. Um, and then I love this. Uh, same, resp- same guy responds, every time you post, you prove that you are completely brain dead. So if you want to watch wrestling matches in text, you can go there. That's funny. Hey, here's another language. All right. And it's not even a language. It's, uh, so, you know, JavaScript, it's interesting to think about. But JavaScript as a builder for a domain-specific language or at least, you know, a, a programming language within JavaScript doesn't sound like much. But it has automatic parentheses. Uh, I shouldn't say that. has automatic semicolon detection for the most part. Um, and it has dynamic interpretation. So it turns out that let's say you want to do Lisp inside of JavaScript natively. Mm-hmm. You don't have to necessarily build a compiler. You could use something like Key, K-I. Hmm. Uh, this is something I found on Hacker News, to, not Hacker News, um, hackurls.com. Uh, and they just posted this. Uh, it's a Lisp for your JavaScript. And so what it does is it salts JavaScript with Lisp syntax. Interesting. Interpreted at real time. So all you have to do is just install the script and you can start doing things. And if you click on them like the uh, uh, one of the samples, like there's one that's a managing state and key, uh, you'll see literally you're doing things like, you know, defins and conditions and, um, you know, uh, the typical, you know, car cutter syntax and all that, and literally doing basically Lisp inside of JavaScript. I just, I thought this was interesting to look at. Yeah, it is cool. Don't know that I would ever write any code like this, but I, it's just fun to watch what people do with languages. If you really wanted to, uh, you know, make sure that people wouldn't reuse your JavaScript in your website, you can yeah. <laughs> spread it on Lisp. Use source, and they go, what? What the hell? <laughs> or they do the Neo, whoa, you know, <laughs> I know Lisp. Um, so key, and it's the is it key-lang.org. Kind of cool. Kind of hip. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Here's not hip. Project Euler is offline. So um, what was the line? First they came for the whatevers, then, and I was not one of those, and they came for the whatevers. So it was one of the stories behind when people uh, are taken over by dictatorship, like Nazi Germany, and ultimately they succumb because they think everyone else is going to get taken, but I'm not. Now the mathletes are going to get hit. So <laughs> we talk about all these systems going offline and people getting things stolen all the time. Well, uh, posted today, uh, and it probably will be back up by the time you're online. But uh, it says Project Euler is offline. And then I thought, what the heck is Project Euler? Because I clearly am not a math nerd. And there's a Wikipedia article. It's named after Leonard Euler. It's a website dedicated to a series of computational problems intended to be solved with computer programs. If you are a math leet or math nerd or math geek, and I'm totally in awe of those people, we have them here too, and I don't get it because I am dumb. Um, but if you are and you happen to use this site and solve problems on this site and you store your username and you have a password, so you can go back, I guess, and look at other solutions, whatever. Turns out um, someone got a hold of all the one-way encrypted passwords, mm. or at least some of them, and so they shut down the site and they're basically saying, um, hey, you may want to change your passwords anywhere if they happen to be the same as the one that you hashed with the one-way hash on this site. It's a sad moment uh, for encryption yet again. But uh, passwords, man, they're, they're at the root of all evil, aren't they? Yeah, and it, um, and 
while we're talking about like this problems, you probably saw they had another problem with OpenSSH, which oh no, yeah, I didn't see that, and I yes, should have. So you have to patch again. It's not as bad as the first one, but I guess while they were fixing the first one, they were like, ah, we found something else in here. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there, there's, uh, you know, it's it's like these kind of hacks are so commonplace that it's just unbelievable. I mean, it happens like every day you hear about some major company that lost a bunch of stuff. I forget who was recently, but within the last week, I've definitely read of some large retailer that lost junk. So I'm going to use a term really wrong, I think, uh, entropy. Is that the right term? Um, where basically, and it probably is an entropy, so that's why I want to laugh at myself for a moment, but the more moving parts you have, and the, it's the predictability of, of the system, the more moving parts you have, the more things that are being contributed to, more code that's being changed all the time. How many web accounts do you have, Joel? I've got dozens uh, yeah, and dozens. Unknown. And it's just because, you know, they make you log in right. to get something. Yeah. This is what OpenID was supposed to solve, but it just, I don't know why, it just never worked. I'm waiting for those to get hacked. Yeah. You know, hey, your OpenID token was stolen, and we also have the one-way keys, and da-da. It's true, and they can, like, steal your fingerprints and all sort of stuff. I think this really comes down to why two-way two way's gotta is happen. so important. It's got to happen. Because I mean, the password, eh, that's just something. It really comes down to then they send you the... You know, the text on your iPhone or whatever, and that turns out to be the bigger of the two, you know, the harder thing to hack. Yeah, right, right. I mean, you know, in Europe, they have these credit cards. I was talking to um, the guy who cre- uh, created, if, if it's the right person, the guy who created Gradle, Hans Doctor, I think it was, maybe. He and I were having a conversation about the credit cards. I think it was him and I. I can't really remember, but I'm pretty sure it was him. And we were talking about the fact that in Europe, they have you know, these smart credit cards with digital chips on them, and everyone has those. And in America, because everything moves so slowly and regulation, like, ties everybody up, they aren't. And maybe because we're lazy as a business culture, perhaps, hmm. we don't really have those. I mean, one or two credit cards have those. And you think when we swipe a stripe, do we think we're really doing anything? Oh, yeah, that's pretty – I mean, it seems pretty flimsy. It does. it's guessable. It's and they guessable. pay with their phones everywhere, you know, and it just happens. And – you know, you have your phone. You can't pay without the physical phone. Yeah. You know, there are things like that. So, yeah, two-way has to happen. Yeah. It really has to. And I know that the fingerprint thing for iOS, that was a joke because apparently you can, you can lift that. those. Yeah, it's like – you, you can do a dusting of it and oh. lift it and swipe the dusting out. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. That was the – I don't know if they – I'm sure they patched that or something. But I've seen that on TV a couple of times. It's nice to know it's real. Yes. What, what is that guy's name? Oh, man. Um, Chris Angel Mind Freak. That's oh, the okay. one. <laughs> and you hear – Yes, I can break in. So, <laughs> all right, that's it. So, the developer news, Dev, Dev News 88. Again, you can find us on chariotsolutions.com slash devnews in case you Google us. And uh, you can find our show notes there for this show and for others. And also, we are now starting to put all of our emerging technologies for the enterprise conference sessions online. I think we're up to nine of them, nice. uh, maybe 10. Uh, and there's something like 50. Nice. So, we're putting them up there. Eventually, InfoQ is going to have like their full InfoQ experience for about. 12 or 13 of them, which is great. Uh, but you can definitely get the screencast and the audio uh, right now at chariotsolutions.com slash screencasts. And all the newest ones are ETE 2014. Lots of good stuff there. All that stuff there. So And check out our blogs and everything else. So that's it. So for the Dev News, I'm Ken Rempel. I'm Joel Campano. And make it a good week or two. Yeah.